I apologize today if it's a little difficult to see me. I'm, I kind of blend in with the background. I got a little too much sun yesterday when I was out. Uh, uh, the young adults, uh, our life group was at uh, Liberty Grace and uh, serving with the, the church in Liberty Village and uh, a part of the, uh, the Toronto Art Crawl. And uh, just exciting what God did and exciting to be a part of it. But uh, I really should have worn more sunscreen apparently. So... Uh, uh, that's what it is. But today, and it, we're talking about thorns and thistles, and uh, sunburns are, are part of that. And uh, I'm not sure how many of you enjoy uh, reading biographies. I like, to, I like to hear the stories of not only where people are today, but how they got there and some of the, the ins and outs and how that happened. But often, many, many people love to read biographies, just don't have time for them. Well, for, for you, there is a, uh, a new version of the biography that has come out, and it, is, um, it was originally done as an online uh, contest, and then it turned into a book, and then became another book. They, what they do is they ask people to write a biography of their life in six words, and uh, really just nail it all down, try to sum up your life in six words. I, I don't know how you would do that. I'm not sure what would come to your mind as you would try. But I want to read to you some of the, uh, uh, some of the examples I came across, across because they give you a picture of how people see themselves and how they reflect on what their life has been. One person um, summarized their life in these six words. One tooth, one cavity, life's cruel. Oh, they had a difficult life. They, they had uh, struggled with that. Another person said, uh, the psychic said I'd be richer. Okay, that was their understanding of their, their life. Another person, love drama, just not my own. And uh, clearly they had had too much uh, drama. But many of them uh, revolve around work. Uh, one person said, I imagined more than office jobs. Another one, not quite what I was planning. Another person said, never lived up to my potential. And uh, finally, a, an, another person said, thought I would have more impact. And you just think, just trying to put it together, six words as I try to, try to examine my life and look back over where I've come from and what I feel that I've accomplished, thought I would have more impact. Thought, thought it would be more, I, I didn't, didn't live up to my potential. And I wonder what, whether any of those words resonate with some of your life, some of your experience about what I thought my life was going to be and then what it ended up becoming. I, I think that many of the, the six-word biographies that I read, uh, particularly as they related to work, they described the thorns and thistles. And in many cases, they described a sense of uh, not being expect, not coming, being confronted with thorns and thistles of work, and being surprised by them. Uh, we had uh, begun last week following uh, uh, God's presentation of work to Adam and Eve in the in the garden, and following that, God declared a curse on the ground, and it said that as a result of that curse, that the ground would would um, bring forth thorns and thistles, and it would make work hard and painful, and it would be by the sweat of your brow that you will 
bring forth food. And if you were here last week, maybe you were thinking, like, I was talking about the blessing of work and the privilege of work and how we can honor God and, and partner with him in work. And you, you may have come to the end of that message thinking, well, we did deal with a lot of scripture, but I'm not sure that Paul has actually worked because his experience of work and my experience of work are very different. And uh, rest assured, I had fully intended to get to some of the challenges of work, some of the thorns and the thistles, but I felt it was important that we started where the Bible does. And the Bible doesn't start with the thorns and thistles of work. It starts with uh, the great blessing that work uh, can be as it was intended. But today, no mistake, we're diving into the weeds. We're dealing with all of the things that makes, life, makes our work difficult. And, uh, and, and maybe for some of you, you're like, wow, I didn't know that it could be difficult. And, and uh, I didn't know that I, I, I might come to the end of my life and say, didn't, thought I would have more of an impact or, or didn't live up to my potential. Maybe the, the thorns and thistles are, are going to be new to you. But for many of you who are all too aware of how tough uh, work can be, we're going to look at, I believe, what the scripture holds out as some of the, the help and the hope for dealing with the hard parts. And so maybe the first place we need to start is admitting that there are weeds, okay? Uh, some industries and some, some workplaces, there's so much optim optimism, so much progress, uh, so many exciting things happening, whether you're, if you're in like an, a company atmosphere like Amazon or Google, or you, you feel like you are unstoppable. And the Bible brings us down to reality um, with this quote from Ecclesiastes chapter 2, verses 22 to 23. What has a man from all the toil and striving of heart with which he toils beneath the sun. For all his days are full of sorrow, and his work is a vexation. Even in the night his heart does not rest. This also is vanity. I want to, before we get into our main text today, I, I want to stop and, and ask whether you know the toil uh, and the vexation that this passage describes. It can come in a number of different ways. Some people feel it in and physical, the physical toil of work, the just long hours and the demand, demands that it, it, their work brings on them physically. Other people feel it emotionally, and just there, there is that sense that there, there is a, uh, an emotional burden that they carry with them into work. Uh, for many people, it's the people, or at least some of the people in their work, right? Um, we, we did a, I did a survey and got back, heard from many of you about what makes your, your work difficult, and often it's the people, right? Give me the work, leave out the politics. I, I just, I just want to do my job, but the people that I work with often make it so difficult. I, I read one poll that said that 76% of workers reported having really bad Sunday night blues, meaning... Sunday night comes and you know that Monday you're heading into the office, heading into work, and there's this anxiety that sets in. There's a sense of, of pressure and burden. And I think it's really important that we talk about that. that we say, like, it's not, a small, it's not like, oh, if a few people are kind of struggling with their jobs. No, three quarters of people who responded to the survey said, 
I am filled with anxiety when, when I'm thinking about work coming. And so I think we need to recognize that's a reality. That's something that we deal with. I, I think it's also important to recognize the Bible warns us that that kind of uh, workplace stress is a part of the picture. That despite, and, and in addition to all of those things that we've talked about last week of the blessing and the privilege and the honor and even the glory of work, there is uh, these thorns and thistles that are a part of the equation. I think there's generational things going on as we talk about some of these thorns and thistles and our expectations. Uh, people gr- growing up in the wake of the, the Great Depression or World War II, they were glad to have a job, you know, anything. You know, if, if, if someone will employ me and I can make a living, there was a sense of gratefulness in that. And, and, uh, and, and you couldn't take those things for granted. There was uh, a sense of, uh, of privilege there. It's a different world today, though. Today, we're told not to just have a job. We're told that our work should be fulfilling and satisfying. We're told that work should maximize our talents and fulfill our dreams, and that we should go out and do something amazing in the world. And, and none of those are bad things. So it's, it's, it's good to have huge dreams and to give ourselves to, uh, to great aspirations and projects, but it would be wrong to go out and seek to do something amazing and fulfilling and satisfying and be well-paid and wonderfully recognized, it would be wrong for us to go into work with the recognition, that's the ideal, that's the way it's going to be, and that's my expectation, without a recognition that there are thorns and thistles, that work, at least as the Bible has has, uh, warned us, work is hard, there is stress, there is sweat, and, and that doesn't mean that we've kind of missed it, that we've ended up in the wrong job or, or that, uh, that, that something is unusual or broken. So today I don't want to deal with the thorns and thistles. And if you had managed to imagine work without them, I want to tell you up front, the, the Bible says it's, it's a part of the reality. But for those of you who are more than aware of that reality, I want to offer some of the b- biblical prescriptions. What, is, what does the Bible say about how we can deal with them, um, God's purposes in them, and the hope that we can find for them. And to do that, I want to turn with you to Genesis chapter 3, where we first learn about uh, the thorns and the thistles in chapter 3, and I'll be reading from verses 17 to 19. Genesis chapter 3, verses 17 to 19. And to Adam he said, Because you have listened to the voice of your wife and have eaten of the tree which I commanded you, you shall not eat of it. Cursed is the ground because of you. In pain you shall eat of it all the days of your life. Thorns and thistles it shall bring forth for you. And you shall eat the plants of the field. By the sweat of your face you shall eat bread till you return to the ground. For out of it you were taken. For you are dust and to dust you shall return. This is the word of God. And the first thing I learned from this passage is that thorns and thistles remind us why we're not in paradise. They open our eyes to the the reality of uh, not only that work is hard, but that the the hardness of work serves a good purpose. 
It is intended to teach us something and to remind us of something. Thorns and thistles remind us why we're not in paradise. Next time you are dealing with a thorny coworker or a computer virus or a, a deadline that seems unreasonable in your workplace, I want you to remember where it comes from. Verse 17, uh, in verse 17, God declares a curse on the ground, but it's not a random curse. It's not, uh, boy, I'm going to just make things difficult for humanity for no purpose. It's given as a direct uh, relation to Adam's sin. He says it will be painful to get enough to eat. Then in verse 18, if you look, it says God brings forth thorns and thistles from the ground as a judgment against, against him. See, the weeds crowd in, making it difficult for the, 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 the plants to produce the, the kind of fruit and the, the degree of fruit that they would otherwise have produced. And God said, that's, that's part of my plan. And it's not, it's not random. It's not accidental. It is in direct connection with, uh, with, with Adam's sin. Then in verse 19, God warns that work will now be accompanied by sweat, where before, presumably, it was easy. It was comfortable. It involved work still, but it was not painful work. It was not uh, work that was accompanied by stress. But I want you to see that the thorns and thistles have a purpose. Even as they make life harder for us, they serve to help us. They serve to uh, do something in our lives. To, to point that out, I want you to see how many times God uses the word eat in these three short verses. He says, because you've eaten of the tree which I commanded, you shall not eat of it. In pain you shall eat, and there shall be thorns and thistles as you eat the plants, and lots of sweat as you eat the bread. Okay? Eat, eat, eat. There must be something going on. Why talk so many times uh, in, in, in just three short verses about eating? And here's the point. He's trying to connect two very important truths. And they, they both relate to eating. The idea is that because we ate the forbidden fruit, God made it thorny for us to eat any fruit. And so when we experience the difficulty, it is intended to help us draw a line back to the garden where we will remember where it came from. The challenges in your workplace aren't random. The difficulties that we experience in not fulfilling our potential not making the impact that I thought I would, as that mini-biography stated. They're, they're not accidental. When we face that, we're supposed to remember, oh yeah, it's about what we ate. It's about the fruit that God had commanded us not to eat. The curse on the fruit of the land reminds us of the sin of eating the forbidden fruit because God wants us to remember that that was the starting point. It shows us how we got in this mess, and we have ourselves to blame, not individually, this sin is a result of this thing that I did, but this thing called sin and the thorns and thistles in our workplace are a result of us turning our backs on God and going our own way. So next time you're frustrated with work, when you start by remembering the sin of the forbidden fruit, that's the reason for all of the eat, 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 uh, verses, uh, uh, words here in the verse. But then the thorns and thistles also remind us of the danger and the consequences of our sin. 
the thorns and thistles don't just point back to the forbidden fruit. They are a direct judgment against eating it. They're intended to remind us that when we eat the forbidden fruit, whatever that might be, whenever we cross the line, think that we know better than God, it's a reminder that there really is consequences, that we really do have to face painful, difficult uh, consequences as a result of going our own way. And thousands of years later, we are still sweating as we work. We are still facing thorns and thistles in our jobs. And we do that because sin really does have consequences. That we really don't know our way, our own, we don't know better. That going our own way really doesn't lead to uh, greater hope and promise. And so again, next time you're frustrated with work, I want you to remember what I think God intended for us to remember from the thorns and thistles. Sin really does have consequences. Turning your back and going your own way makes life painful. And we feel it in our work, but the principle is true throughout all of our lives. Then the thorns and thistles also warn us against the temptation to become like God. So, When the serpent approached Eve about the forbidden fruit, he said, God knows that when you eat of it, your eyes will be open and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. We already saw last week, they had been created in the image of God. But that wasn't enough for them. Here, they wanted to rival God. They wanted to set their own agenda. They wanted to be not just in God's image and living as partners with him in submission to him, No, they wanted to be rival gods where they could set their own plans, they could have their own rule, and they could be separate and distinct from him. And if God hadn't brought the thorns and the thistles, then our plans to be like God, independent of him, building our towers of Babel and all of the different things that we do when we turn our backs, think that we know better, and try to make our plans without him, Uh, without the thorns and thistles, those plans would go unhindered. God steps in. God deliberately limits our potential. God deliberately makes it harder. He slows us down. He deals with with us so that we would uh, be held back from that. And so the thorns and thistles of our jobs are supposed to remind us, yes, we're not in paradise, but specifically why we're not in paradise. They remind us how we crossed the line and turns our, turned our backs on our Creator. They remind us that sin has painful consequences, that it hurts, it makes life worse. And they warn us against the temptation to become like God. So that's a bad part. That, but they're, they're, they're important lessons, but they're, they're tough lessons. They're, they're messages of warning that God has intended in the thorns and thistles. But while we confront that reality, it's important that we recognize also that the thorns and thistles haven't destroyed all the fruit. It's not like the thorns and thistles have robbed work of all that it intended to be. The thorns and thistles have, have still left us with something. They haven't utterly crowded out the fruit and robbed our uh, jobs of, uh, of satisfaction and enjoyment. I want you to look at verse 17. There it says, cursed is the ground because of you. God could have cursed humanity, but he doesn't, right? He curses the ground. He could have said, 
because you ate of the fruit of that tree, I'm going to cut off your arm and you will be armless for the rest of your life. He doesn't do that. He could have said, I'm done with you. I'm cutting humanity off. He doesn't do that. Instead, he curses the ground. He makes a sphere of our work difficult, but he doesn't here directly curse us. I want to also have you know how it continues to speak of God's provision despite the thorns. If you look at verse 17 again, it says, In pain you shall eat of it all the days of your life. And we read the pain part, and it's important to recognize that it's there. But there's also the, there's also the promise, you will continue to eat the rest, of the, the rest of the days of your life. God will continue to provide. Amidst the thorns, amidst the thistles, there will still continue to bear fruit. The thorns and the thistles have not utterly crowded out all of God's goodness or provision. Then again in verse 18, even when God talks of thorns and thistles, he still says, you shall eat the plants of the field. Or in verse 19, when he talks of the sweat of your face, it's still in, in the context of us getting bread that we actually eat. Again, God's goodness, his provision, even in the midst of uh, his seeking to uh, to limit us and to uh, bring consequences to our sin. And I think we can forget that. I think we can either block out the idea that work was supposed to be difficult at all and be surprised when it comes, or we can become so overwhelmed by the thorns and the thistles that we forget the fruit. We forget God's provision, his merciful grace in our lives, continuing to minister, continuing to serve continuing to provide for us in the midst of our often difficult jobs. I started reading that verse from Ecclesiastes 2, and it talked about the toil and the vexation of work, right? Look what happens in the very next verse. Listen at what Ecclesiastes 2, verses 24 and 25 say of work. There's nothing better for a person than that he should eat and drink and find enjoyment in his toil. This also I saw is from the hand of God, for apart from him, who can eat or who can have enjoyment? Here, work is still called toil, right? Toil means hard slugging. It's still called toil. It's still recognition that it's hard, but there's also the understanding that it's from the hand of God, that it's God's, uh, it's God's gift and we are invited to find enjoyment in it. Still thorns and thistles, but it's not all thorns and thistles. So there's that balance and recognition. Then watch in Ecclesiastes 3, 12 and 13, how he builds on the same theme. He says, I perceive that there is nothing better for, for them than to be joyful and to do good as long as they live. Also that everyone should eat and drink and take pleasure in all his toil. This is God's gift to man. It doesn't just say, take pleasure in his good work. It says, take pleasure in his toil. The, the word is inherently a tough word. It's describing work kind of negatively. It's, it's a hard thing. It's a tough thing. And yet he still says, but it's a gift of God to humanity that they would find enjoyment in that work. I think the language here of finding enjoyment, taking pleasure, it's, it's, it's a, those are both active words, right? It's not that the pleasure and enjoyment 
just fall into our lap. Sometimes we need to work at it. Sometimes we need to look for the joy. Sometimes we need to, to, to find the enjoyment. And sometimes we can, if we're not conscious about it, you can get overwhelmed by the thorns and not see it. And so here it's an invitation to do that. The verse reminds us that God has intended more for us in our jobs. The thorns and thistles haven't destroyed the fruit. God continues to provide, and it is his gift that in the midst of that, we can still find something of joy, something of pleasure and satisfaction. Maybe, like the the mini-biography told us, not all I thought it would be, but it's more than it could have been. It's something that God continues to, uh, to, to provide for us. And so the invitation is not to let the curse get the best of you, not to get overwhelmed or undone by the curse, not to, not to throw up your hands at the thorns and thistles, but even in the midst of that, to look for the pleasure and enjoyment that God would have as a gift for you. So far we said thorns and thistles remind us why we're not in paradise. And thorns and thistles haven't destroyed all the fruit. But next I want you to see God's good plan for the weeds and how thorns and thistles help us accept our limitations. They, they help us accept our limitations on a couple different levels. First, on our mor- uh, accepting our own mortality and then uh, seeing that work isn't the end. So the thorns and thistles help us accept our limitations. I want you to take a look at verse 19 and see if you can follow the train of thought in in the verse there. Does anyone feel that it's a little bit random that verse 19 begins by talking about sweat and bread and ends up by talking about how we all end up in the dust? Like it's not even broken up into different sentences. It's all in the one shot talking about, oh yeah, it's difficult to work and you're kind of sweating and trying to make enough money to, to, to get the bread. And then it's saying, and, and then you're dead, and like you're in ashes, and like, what, what, what's happening there? I think there's a reason that God does it. I think the reason is that the thorns and thistles aren't just intended to remind us of the danger of sin. They're supposed to remind us of our own mortality. Because when we see that our work never fully satisfies, when we see that our work never seems to live up to what we had hoped for. It doesn't ever seem to reach its full potential. We're confronted confronted by conflict and stress and and lying and greed, and we're thinking, why is my work like this? Why is it so difficult? And we remind ourselves that it isn't paradise. But when we say that, we also say, and I'm not going to be doing this forever. This isn't going to last forever. In fact, I'm not going to be living on this earth forever. Things are not all that they ought to be. And God is one day going to set things right. And if, I'm not, if I don't have any hints of that, if I don't have any cues that that's going to take place, then it's going to totally change how I, how I see my life and how I, how I view it. It reminds me that I don't just need to be prepared for the next fiscal year end, and that might be important. I need to be prepared for what comes after that. In fact, what comes after this life when I stop working? 
what comes after this life when I stop breathing. That one day I will return to dust and I better be prepared to meet my maker. Steve Jobs is an interesting person to to, uh, give us some, some insight into this because he was someone who, interestingly, given all that he accomplished and all of the accolades, it was interesting to me how Steve Jobs faced his own mortality. He was confronted by death at a time when he might have otherwise felt invincible. But I want want you to hear what he said. Remembering that I'll be dead soon is the most important tool I've ever encountered to help make me make the big choices in life. Because almost everything, all external expectations, all pride, all fear of embarrassment or failure, these things just fall away in the face of death, leaving only what is truly important. Nobody would have guessed that Steve Jobs would have died at the age that he did. He had this expectation that everybody faces death. And in fact, he had uh, the healthy expectation because most people think, oh, that's going to be like way long time from now. I'll have tons of time to prepare for. No, no. He said, uh, remembering that I'll be dead soon is important. Now, I don't know if Steve Jobs worked out the full implications of that, but certainly Genesis would drive us to the same conclusion, living as if death would be soon is very important. But the most important conclusion we're supposed to draw from that, from this passage, is that because death is soon for each of us, we need to be ready, not just for the next fiscal year end, we need to be prepared for the ultimate end. And meeting God and, and all, that, all that is associated with that. Thorns help us to do that. Thorns help us to accept our reality. This is not the end. This is not all that there is. This is broken, and God is either preparing us for an eternity of judgment or for an eternity of paradise in his presence where all the th- thorns and thistles are gone. But we enter into that in this life by making peace with him through the Lord Jesus Christ. Some people's jobs beat them down with more thorns than they can handle. And it just seems overwhelming. Other people, frankly, and and we can envy these people, other people seem to go through their jobs with ease and satisfaction. They, They are not the people who are writing the biography that says, never lived up to my potential. They are uh, being celebrated and, and lifted up. But I want you to notice one of the things that seems to be a correlation with a life seemingly free of thorns and thistles in their work and, and some of the things that it can do. Because sometimes when there, is, there are no thorns and thistles in our jobs, we can begin to think that we are like God we can begin to think that we, we can conquer anything. There's nothing that, that, uh, that we can't deal with. For example, do you know how many billionaires have set out to solve the problems of, of disease and death and dying? I'll just give you a number of them. Uh, Arthur Levinson, for instance, is a biotech giant. 
who has set out to alter the basic nature of human existence. That sounds awfully like God's realm, right? He's taken that on. Larry Page, the co-founder of Google, is investing in technologies to, quote-unquote, extend the human lifespan and solve the diseases of aging. So now aging itself is called a disease. Uh, Dmitry Itzkov is a Russian transhumanist who's launched, maybe you've heard of this, the 2045 Initiative. And the 2045 Initiative is promising to make humans immortal by the year 2045. He thinks he's invincible. Finally, there's a billionaire, Larry Ellison. He's invested over $40 million in trying to understand lifespan development processes because, as he said, death makes me very angry. He's frustrated. It's, it's maybe the one problem that he hasn't been able to fix yet. And he's going to throw his money at it with the hopes that he can conquer that, like he's conquered his other empires. And he will find with that with that task, and maybe only with that task, he will be frustrated. He will face thorns and thistles because it is not a task that has been given to humanity to conquer that one. And no matter how much he throws at the problem, Larry Ellison will face his death. He will face the end of his work. And if all his energy are devoted to solving problems that he will never be able to solve, he will find himself dearly disappointed. That's what the thorns and thistles are intended to protect us from. That's what they're intended to warn us of. People who don't experience many thorns and thistles in their careers can start to think, hey, I got this. I can do anything. I can solve any problem. I can overcome any obstacle. And they can begin to think, I don't need God. I've got this. And again, they will be disappointed. Because no matter how successful you are, how many billions you amass, the scriptures remind us here, you are still dust, and to dust you shall return. You are still dust, and to dust you shall return. So we've talked a lot about the thorns and thistles of our work, and I tried to cover everything that I think verses 13, 17 to 19 in, in Genesis 3 here teach us about this and help us about it. What's the message? What's the purpose? What is God doing in the midst of them? But I want to end by sharing you some of the hope that the rest of the scriptures paint for us in this regard, how they hold out hope for our thorns and thistles. First thing I want you to see is that throughout the Old Testament, there, is this hint, there are hints and promises of a God who would reverse the curse. He sees the affliction, for instance, of the Israelites in Egypt, it's easy to forget that it was the, work, the stress of work that God saw the Israelites suffering under. He saw the affliction and the slavery, and it was how much they were suffering in the midst of their work that God saw, and he, and he promised to relieve them of. Then when he delivers them, he brings them into what? He brings them into a land flowing with thorns and thistles, milk and honey, abundance, it almost sounds like he's talking about the Garden of Eden, doesn't it? He's promising to bring them into abundance and to deliver them from slavery. And then there are promises after that of, of God's 
bringing a day when he will reverse the curse. He uses different language. Sometimes he speaks of the desert and the wilderness blooming in abundance. Then finally there appears a man named Jesus Christ who claims to be the Son of God. And in, uniquely, he describes himself as working, doing the work that the Father had given him to do. But after he had done that work perfectly, after he had done that work faithfully, what does he get for his labors? He is given thorns. In fact, he is given a crown of thorns, almost as if to say, I am the king of people who have suffered for their work. I'm the king of people who have endured the hardship after having been faithful, after having done all that was asked of me, I faced thorns. I faced the curse of of sin. When he died on the cross, the scriptures record that the soldiers twisted together a crown of thorns and put it on his head. And I want you to remember that because it teaches us that Jesus knows all about your thorns. He has experienced the thorns. He has experienced the difficulties. He's been in the weeds, and so he knows all about them. And so when we come to him, he, come, he receives us in compassion. He shed his blood for thorns. He shed his blood for our thorns. He died to reverse the curse. And when he wore that crown of thorns, he said it was so that we might one day enjoy a crown of life. So James 1.12 can give this amazing promise, Blessed is the man who remains steadfast under trial, for when he has stood the test, he will receive the crown of life, which God has promised to those who love him. I don't know how you experience thorns and thistles. I don't know if they're a part of your reality today. I don't know if they're a part of your future reality. But I know that we don't escape without one day confronting them in some form or another. And I want you to know that Jesus understands those thorns, whatever your version of them might be. He understands them like no one else. He wore a crown of thorns because he paid the ultimate price for our sin. He suffered more than any of us, so he can have compassion on any of us. And so this verse encourages us, and I want to to leave you with this appeal to be steadfast, to lay hold of the crown of life by faith in Jesus Christ to receive what he would provide and what he paid for at such a cost, such a, uh, a price that he paid. One day we'll all return to dust. Doesn't matter who tries to solve the problem of death, it's not going away. We will return to dust, but by faith in the one who wore the crown of thorns, we will rise to life and we will rise with a crown of life that we didn't deserve. And we'll receive it because of what he did and because of what he bore on our behalf. Let's look to him in prayer. Heavenly Father, I pray that you'd help us not to be caught off guard by the thorns, to somehow imagine that they won't be there. You warned us that we'd face them. So help us instead to learn from them. Let them teach us about why sin is so dangerous. Use them to remind us that our work isn't the end. 
And let us not lose sight of how merciful and gracious you are. Even when we're in the weeds, you continue to provide fruit. You graciously provide for all of our needs, and you've given us great hope. May we keep our eyes focused on Jesus Christ, who bore our thorns. We pray in his name. Amen.